There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hola, socios. Hola, equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Norberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh. Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I am a socio of The Big Interview. Hi, my name's Neil. I'm a socio of The Big Interview from Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. My favourite episode of the last season was the one with Sir Les Ferdinand. I never realised that he'd actually played in Turkey at the start of his career. Every time I listen to an episode, I always learn something new. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Welcome to the second part of the first big interview Q&A for 2020, where our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and our sponsors at Bet365 get to put their football queries to Graham. If you want to submit questions, get all of the audio versions of his columns for ESPN and an extra full-length big interview every month, sign up to become a socio at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Graham, the first question is from Robin Henson in Budapest. And Robin says, My question is about the animosity being shown to the FA Cup and particularly replays by Guardiola and Klopp this season. It's nothing new, but as a fan of Carlisle United, these are the opportunities for a few small crumbs to fall off the top table. Not to mention romance and excitement of playing one of the big boys. Maybe in Klopp and Guardiola, we are seeing managers who have only known football with money. Yeah, Robin, that's a big one. And and because I'm also glad that you've shown your colours because, you know, I have, a, I have a view that while I think it's a moderate one and it's in between yours and theirs, it still isn't necessarily one that you're going to agree with. In that I've, I've always thought, and I remember way back um, working with some people in Pep's first season, and they came over to the cup final, which was against Athletic at Mestaya in what must have been, I suppose, 2009. And I can't remember if they'd already won the league by then. I'm, I'm not completely certain that they had. And I remember the people going, well, it's only a cup final. They've got the league and they've got the Champions League to play for. And Athletic, the bus fans aren't down at Mestaya in, in great numbers. And Athletic have taken over the city. And Pep won't really care. I was like, you, you just... You wash your mouth out. And remember, this was, you know, fewer than 12 months after Pep had taken over from being B-team coach and people didn't know him like they did then. And he put his 
is more or less his best available team out against Athletic. They went 1-0 down. If you remember, I think it was uh, Geisca Tokara scored, bus one, and then just go mental. And I think score four. It's it's a gorgeous cup final, but they 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 power play it. They're like, this cup final, we're going to play this as if it was the Champions League final or the deciding league match. And... You know, I was at Manchester City's training ground. And, you know, this isn't a lot about Carlisle at the moment, but I was at Manchester City's training ground and listening to Pep uh, last Friday when he said, look, the traditions in this country have to be maintained. It's He, he almost said it's one of the few things, but he, he corrected himself and definitely said, it's one of the things I love about this country, that there are traditions, that you hold them really important. And... He'd have preferred, I'll bet you, to have been playing at Craven Cottage. I've said this before, but I'll repeat it now. This is not answering to Klopp or Carlisle, but I know in the case of Pep Guardiola that he was hugely, hugely um, enchanted by uh, coming to this country and playing away games at, at mythical, odd, old, even run-down stadia because to him that clicked with the romantic image of English football that he'd grown up with and he did grow up with that romantic image and in fact this is where Carlisle entered and I remember our friend Martin and my mutual friend Lou Martin whose book with Paul Ballas uh, Neil and Martin published and Lou was telling me when it became clear at Bayern Munich that, that Pep was going to City that you know he mentioned the word Carlisle that he'd love an away cup tie at Carlisle, and that the the Jim Pep had been fully aware of the the Jimmy Jimmy Glass madness. I fully agree with what Klopp has said he'll do for the Shrewsbury replay. I fully agreed with what he did for the Aston Villa um, League Cup quarterfinal. We cannot um, ask teams to excel domestically and excel in Europe. Go on to win and treat two further cup competitions equally. It's not physically possible. And I, I don't know, Robin, what age you are, but, you know, given the age I'm at, it, it's certainly the case that, the, you know, the brilliant teams and brilliant footballers of yesteryear will say we were tougher, we had fewer substitutes, but they didn't and couldn't play at this intensity. There's There has been a massive change in what players are asked to do in training and on the pitch, it's a little bit like uh, a couple of days ago, the first episode of this went out and we talked about VAR and I tried to get across my point that when something comes in and it's new and it materially changes the sport, there's a time lag before the sport changes back to keep up with the, the new innovation. And we're at a point now where it's taken too long for the Cups in England and it took too long in Spain too. To, to catch up with the vast importance of the Champions League. And this season, when we're talking, Robin, there's been a, at least a 50% augmentation of the cash available so that it isn't long ago that if you finished in the top four in the Champions League or even won it, you might be earning 56, maximum 60 million. The the highly seeded, so the, the group, the, the clubs around Europe and largely Spain and England, who are high up in the UEFA coefficient list, have earned anything from 50 to 65 million euros for going through the group stage of the Champions League. So let's not piss about. That doesn't mean there's no 
room for tradition or romance. But what it does mean is that every club is going to be a busting a gut to get into the Champions League. Every club is going to be prioritising survival in the Champions League. And for those clubs that don't have those dreams, for whom a, a tie against... City, Arsenal, Manchester United, or in this country, Atleti, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, uh, is the equivalent of the Champions League, then yeah, they'll suffer so long as things aren't adjusted. So in my humble opinion, if people want to, to, to maintain the League Cup because it brings sponsorship and to some degree it's historic, then they have to begin to accept that big clubs will simply play the best 11 they think they have available. And that might be 11 kids and you can't be fined for that and you can't be sanctioned for that. Secondly, as as much as FA Cup replays have brought some of the magical stories, in my opinion, it's long, long overdue that the FA Cup was one tie only. And I'd imagine that if um, Carlisle had a one-off tie at Carlisle against Liverpool or Manchester City without a replay, they'd probably be torn about whether to bite your hand off or not because obviously a game at Anfield is is special there's extra revenue but the chance of knocking a big guy out on your pitch if they don't take the tie seriously or they take a risk in team selection must be just as alluring and it's very rare I find myself agreeing in public at least with Gary Lineker uh, not that uh, he says nothing of sense but I also have my pretty salt and vinegar views on him Nonetheless, I, I liked his idea that the when a Liverpool or a City or United are drawn against a Carlisle, I think that the, 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 the tie should go ahead on a one-off game. And I think that if, if neither side wants to move the game from where it's drawn, then it stays. But if both sides, you know, packed or maybe even, it might, it might seem a little bit unfair, but if the littler side, if a small club, let's say you said it from anybody outside the championship in the top division, if they if they draw a top six side and they want to take the tie at home, I, I'd be happy for that to be a system whereby an existing top six side gets drawn against a side outside the championship. Then the, the side outside the championship is the right to say, we'll play this tie at home. While I don't want a club like Carlisle, any of their, their peer group, to find it difficult to um, accept their lot, I think that times have changed and the small clubs and the FA Cup have to change with it. Okay, we're moving from Robin in Budapest to Finlay McDonald on the beautiful island of Iona. Finlay is one of our socios and he asks, um, or he says, I was in Ibar last weekend and witnessed how lacklustre Atleti have become. Is it time for Simeone to move on? Do you think someone else could get a tune out of what appears to be a talented squad? Finlay, I, I, I possibly, you know, was, was a bit um, hurried in awarding Supercause in the last episode, our most travelled socio. Well done for going up to Iparua, and I'm glad you enjoyed the delights of Abar, which is a sensational uh, place. Um, I hope you enjoyed the escalators that take you up and down the, the hilly parts of the town, and the and the sort of old factory siren I remember from my days growing up when it was lousing time at the factories and the, the shift was done and the siren would go off to tell everybody it was either lunch or it was tea and they, they used that for the 
the goal celebration and also there's the Escocia La Brava, Scotland the Brave flags all over the place and so therefore it was fun to watch what Ebar did to Aleti and, and yeah I think it's I've, I've tried to express on Viva La Liga the programme that, um, that you can get on uh, Premier Sports and Channel 435 on Sky that I think that there's been um, an exhaustion factor of the message of the characteristics um, that, that made Diego Simeone great, not only between him and his squad, but between him and his assistant, Mono Burgos. I think there are examples, Finlay, in, the, um, in, the, in their great years, which was around their title win in 14, but also their, you know, their two Champions League qualifications. They were scoring anything from 20 to 35 goals from set plays, and they were conceding over an entire season, seven or six or four or eight. And the number of goals they've scored from set plays have gone down dramatically. The number of goals they're scoring right now has gone down dramatically, but they've they've begun to, you know, the pendulum has swung negatively in both aspects there. They've conceded at this stage of the season seven set play goals, which was something that, you know, was their total for an entire season over the last seven, eight years. Um, there's evidence of... Um, a lack of what they call chispa here, spark in their performances. Players are going there and stagnating or getting worse rather than going to work for those two men, uh, Simeone and Burgos, and getting better. And I think it's a combination of many, many different things. But I th- my opinion, and it's based on what Diego Simeone has said himself, I think that the cruel lessons he was taught in the Champions League final, the degree to which those defeats stung him, hurt him, changed him, uh, damaged him, uh, uh, not as a human being, but as a coach. I, I think he's yet to get rid of the effects of the way in which he lost those finals against Real Madrid. I think that they are repeatedly at or around good enough to win a trophy, to beat Barcelona, to beat Juventus, to beat Real Madrid. And they, they repeatedly don't. And I think that when you have a good coaching team, when you have a good quality squad, and you repeatedly put yourself in a position to breast the tape, but you fall over, then something's wrong. I think that, you know, there's been a degradation of standards in, in almost everything. Midway last season, Diego Simeone went public and said that his treasured fitness coach, Pro- Professor Ortega, he criticised the state that his, his players were in mid-season. But Professor Ortega is still there, still the guy who's running them into the ground. And Atleti no longer look stronger and and fitter than everybody else they don't they no longer uh, sort of cheat and tank their way through matches they they look as if they're all a little bit I don't want to use the phrase burned out again but but without that 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 explosive aggressive burst that would take you into halftime with a, a late goal or it would get you a late equalizer or would give you a 1-0 win that you defended I remember again doing a stat you know several months ago when I was counting up the number of times um, since I think he took over in, oh, Christmas 2011, I think. I think he's celebrating nine years. And in that time, several months ago, I counted that they'd won 1-0 67 times. And I remember thinking, right, well, this will be 68, and then the other team equalised. And in those months, there hasn't been another 1-0, I don't think. 
when I use the word degradation, Finlay, I think that there's there's degradation left, right, and centre, and I think that it'd be healthy. That I'm not advocating that Simeone is sacked. That that just be nonsensical. But I did think that it's healthy that he seeks another challenge in another place, refreshes himself, uses the same magic that he's used at Atleti because he's earned them hundreds and hundreds of millions of euros. Plus, there was a splurge of trophies from the first season he came in until relatively recently. And I honestly believe that it would be the best for Atleti, the best for Simeone that they part and then potentially come together again in five, six, seven years. It's also the case that I'm absolutely sure that Mono Burgos and Cholo Simeone no longer feel identically about each other as a training duo uh, as they did when they were teammates in, in the double winning side in 96 or when they came in to coach together at Atleti. So I think change is would be would be uh, is required, would be fresh, would be beneficial, and then you know within about six months I'd be wishing that Cholo Simeone was was still within Spanish football because he's an exceptional man, he's deeply interesting, he's challenging, you learn from him, and therefore it, it, it's with a heavy heart I say yeah I think there should be a, a, an exercise in turning the page, and although there are many coaches that you could opt for. I'd have taken Abelardo. I think Abelardo, who's just been appointed at Espanyol, uh, would have been and, and can be perfect in manner and in idea for Atleti. There's, there, there'll, there'll be a list of coaches who, who might be the right one. Um, but in my humble opinion, Abelardo is the perfect fit. Yeah, you're right, Graham. It was the 23rd of December 2011 when he took over at Atleti. Um, I mean, that's remarkable longevity for... There can't be many more longer-serving coaches in top level of world that's football. That's right. I mean, that's amazing. I get, you've, gone, you've gone to the hub of it, Martin. That's right, because the burnout factor comes from your own energy, your own hunger, your relationship with the squad, uh, your relationship with your partner. You know, um, the, the time you have to devote. He's gone through a divorce and then a remarriage in that time. The the relationship with your 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 coaching team. It, it, it you used the word remarkable. I think that we as human beings are not really set up to be in a same massively high pressure situation like that so constantly with the expectation that you can maintain the same level. I, I don't think it's natural. And that's why I think it's so unusual. And and also I think it's also, uh, the dichotomy is that it's unnatural for Emery to want to leave the stage. You know, all great performers, usually there's a fight too long, there's a tour too long, there's a comeback too many. And if you're comfortable and you're, you're where you like being and you're earning huge money and nobody's actually pressurising you to go out the door. There's a really easy human tendency to stay and that's when rust sets in and I think there's been rust. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Join us after the break for more answers to your questions. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Welcome to the second half of the Q&A. Here are a couple of related questions, Graham. First one is from our sponsors at Bet365, who ask, what players should Manchester United target in the next 12 months? And we also have an audio question from Socio Tom Lee. Hola, Graham. Socio Tom Lee speaking. Question for the January Q&A is this. Um, he might have done this already, in fact, but were Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to call you today and say, Graham, transfer window slams shut on Friday night for the English Premier League. Uh, rack your brains and tell me who's the player in La Liga who could be a short-term fix for Manchester United? Probably a striker, uh, but anywhere in that team that you think would plug a gap, uh, perhaps a, an experienced player to come in and play at the back. Uh, obviously, 12 months ago, it didn't happen, but there was the Godin rumour, somebody of that stature in their sort of early mid 30s who could come in, perhaps somebody in the middle of the park with McTominay injured, or, and granted, he didn't come from La Liga, but what about an Ibrahimovic figure uh, who could arrive and actually uh, add stature and experience and maturity to the front? Frontline, bring on the likes of Mason Greenwood. Uh, who would it be, Graham? Thank you, Graham. I guess the the wider issue there is recruitment issues besetting Manchester United at present. I think we've discussed this before on the podcast, and um, there's been plenty written and said about it. I noticed a really interesting piece by our old pal Jonathan Northcroft in the Sunday Times at the weekend about it. So we're really talking short term and medium term targets for Manchester United. Perhaps you could touch on that, but I think we can't escape these wider kind of structural and recruitment issues when discussing Man United at the moment. Well, first of all, um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the world's number one um, online betting company, Bet365, our, um, our beloved sponsors. And uh, Tom's Tips, Tom also clearly knows my sense of humour because that's a bad joke I often make in, in t- TV and radio about whoever I've been asked about phoning me to, to take my advice. Um, thanks, Tom. I'm glad you're listening. Uh Martin, you're probably going to have to be a sort of. Uh, is it, what's, who's the guy? Is it Jeremy Paxton? Is that is Paxton who used to be on Newsnight? Paxman. And then moved to, Paxman, that's right. Caxton, I was mixing up with the guy who invented printing presses or something. Jeremy Paxman, who's sort of rude and, and, and brusque, you're going to have to be that now because I'm going to cheat a little bit in this answer. So if you have to interrupt, do it in a Paxman voice. Um. The best signing they could make would be removing Ed Woodward um, from his current role. I think that it is impossible to properly plan a quick fix future based on the fact that there is um, an environment at the club which doesn't fit with the either the legacy of Ferguson or the history of Manchester United in good times or bad. Um, both the owners and Ed Woodward have, um, maybe not deliberately, but certainly uh, with impact, set up an atmosphere whereby adequate is good enough. When that infuses every day um, and people's self-perception or their mutual perception or their 
ideals about what's good enough, uh, one player isn't going to fix it. And I think that that's been proven for a really long time. I think it's been barely believable that so few people in the media, whether it be journalists, some of who suckle on Edward Wood's teat, or ex-players, ex-managers, are willing to call out Ed Woodward. And, and predominantly, there's, there's one particular journalist who, who will take up cudgels for um, Ed Woodward and, and downplay the idea of a sporting director being appointed, an adequate, a good football director being appointed. Because um, it's it's an old columnist trick to be controversial, to say the thing that to adopt the side of that that's in the wrong, but to argue it articulately and cleverly, you know, with sophistry that, that can confuse the dim-witted, when what our job is to go to the nub of the matter. And had there been, you know, an independent-minded, top-quality director of football, then the strategic direction of the playing squad, an idea that every day doesn't need to be a new day with new ideas the idea that you can make three-year or five-year plans, that you can be consistent, that you can sign well, that you can blend ages within a squad, that you can try to properly research players' character and hungriness before you bring them in. And and anybody says you can't replicate some of what Alex Ferguson had is is either stupid or lying. Um, You can't have another Fergie, but you can replicate traits. Fergie wasn't the first, nor should he be the last. I think that signing a, a, a brilliant director of football who can be independent of Woodward, Woodward going back to what he's very good at, which is making money for the club and apparently giving his salary and bonuses, making money for himself. But he is, he's a, he is an extremely talented man in certain aspects of the game. But he is and has been for a long time a gross impediment to Manchester United developing in a football sense and becoming competitive again. Therefore... That's the first signing that they should make uh, without any question whatsoever. And the fact that Woodward has found money to go and hire a PR company to to cleanse his reputation tells you something that was evident to all of us who aren't blind some years ago. In terms of that, uh, Tom's, you know, short fix idea, If if I understand it correctly, at Manchester United, from, from what I'm watching, there are there is the makings of a decent team. They are probably short of a top-class fullback, a centre-half who's very good and who's fit all the time, and an organising midfielder who's, who controls the tempo and controls, who, who dictates the, the character of the, the match. Uh, and somebody who just scores. So that's a lot of signings to to, to rob out of uh, La Liga. I thought that irrespective of the appetite for, oh, we must have a gigantic name, a gigantic signing, I thought that missing out on Vassan Benyeda was a bad idea. I think that they've got, you know, pace and dynamism in, in Marshall, who needs blinkers, and Rashford, who I'm out a big fan of and I've, I've I always believed that he will triumph and positionally there needed to be some retuning and, and then they found that I think he's a special player and will continue to prove that and will continue to develop but with Sam Benyeder is enormously bright 
his movement, his idea about what the what the movement is for, where the ball should go, his ability to drop deep and influence the build-up play and then get on the end of it again it is very special. I thought that irrespective of big name and big price, Vincent Manieta had everything that Manchester United were a little bit, and an intense, fiery character too. I thought that that move should have been made. Um, I think that in Llorente, who's who's not getting his game at Atleti, um, there was an athletic and aggressive version of uh, Rodri at Manchester City without the same level of Busquets-esque delivery of the ball. But I thought Llorente could have given, um, again, at a, not at a big price, could have given Manchester United... Um, control and energy and, and a pivotable, pivotal ability to move defence to attack. And you'll notice these aren't sort of world-class signings. I think they'd have been a fit if they could have prized Inigo Martinez from uh, Athletic. And, and why would he want to go? Because, you know, he's in his own country. He's moved from La Real across to Athletic. His partnership with Uri is very good. He's going to go to the Euros with Spain. It, wages would be the only thing. But if if there were guys who, who seemed to me to fit, they would they would be Inigo, Llorente, and Vincent Benyeda, and that that's the kind of thing that a, a, a brilliant director of football could have argued with me. Say, well, no, because we want to do this, those aren't the right guys, and therefore, you know, we're willing to spend a little bit of money if Rakitic would come, we'd take him because he'd add. Okay, fine, then that debate could be had, but instead they've got um, Ed Woodward who. Uh, in, in football terms, can't do right for doing wrong. I'm going to call this final section the and finally part. And it's uh, a question from Ethan Sokolas. And he says, Graham, which players would be your favourite Tarantino characters? So <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a, perhaps the best question we've ever had. So he's basically saying, think of your favourite Tarantino characters, then think of a footballing equivalent. What the f- what the f- what the? <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just be like three little Fonzies. I'm trying. I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying. <laughs> wow, wow, that's mind blowing. Could we have um, Eric Cantona as? Is it? Is it? Is it Jules Winfield, our man in Inglewood? I've made up Jules' second name there, but he's he's got to be. Oh, this is good, man! <laughs> I had to get the most. This is I. I always say it, Martin. Ethan, I always say it, Martin and Neil. Don't give me um. Don't don't give me any warning. But this is this is one where I'm, I may wish to recant on that. Is it okay? So our man in Inglewood. Um, I I have to go for Cantona there because Jules was was pretty cool. Jules was trying to be a good man, but um, when he had to enforce his law, and when he did his, uh, I will I will I will what is it? I will something down in you with righteous fury with great anger and righteous fury, and you will know I am the Lord. It, that's got to be sardines and trawlers. So I'm happy with, I'm happy with Julie and um, and Cantona. I'm happy with that. After which the the characters in in Tarantino's films, uh, 
are um this <laughs> is gonna lead me into territory Ethan, where I can be sued, right? Um is is Brad Pitt a bit of a stoner? And Tarantino's relationship to this film is different to obviously um Reservoir Dogs or Pop Fiction, but if I'm not badly mistaken, I think Brad Pitt is a kind of stoner in true romance, lying on the couch as mad things happen all around him. And um, I I said that I've seen players like that who kind of look good, um, but then don't necessarily amount very much and say, well, it went that way. Now, who am I going to say for that now? I, I would I would probably say who's the fella that went to Andrew Comas went to to Everett from Barcelona. But I'm not going to say him because he admitted that he was struggling with the his profile and the stress of being at Barcelona, and he, he seemed a decent, intelligent guy. So I'm not going to go for him. But I, I, is it did it has to be La Liga players or any, any players? No, no, no. It can be any. It can be any players. Oh fuck! There've, there've been so many dopey midfielders who are you like? What what, what were you? What we do, but there has to be whoever Brad Pitt played in True Romance, and also, if I'm not wrong, Christopher Walken gets um, <laughs> gets tortured on a chair, but won't give up anything, and insults the, the people sent <laughs> to, to interrogate him, and that's there'd be a bit of Diego Godin about about Christopher Walken's. I'm sure it's Christopher Walken's character. Am I right? Have I made that up? In True Romance, where he's he's um, he's Christian. What's his name's father? Is it? And then he gets assassinated in a flurry of of uh, pillow feathers as the shot goes through the. We we really need Neil for this because he's the he's the Tarantino fanatic. But he has he has texted in a couple of suggestions. He's saying Zidane as Butch in Pulp Fiction. Um, no, 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 wrong. No, I was, you know, if it's step aside, but I mean Butch, oh, Butch, Zidane as Butch. No, 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 no. No, there's because Butch is. Um, Butch is talking to himself the whole time, and he's he's talking to the taxi driver, and he's he's mucking around and doing doing the dirty with um, Fabian. And no, man, no, 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 Zidane, no, no, that's that's far more a sort of um, sort of Eden Hazard kind of or a little buzz bomb, or or maybe Joe Cole, or. Somebody would be like, you know, gives you brilliant entertainment, but is, is sort of chipping away and chattering and talking all the time and having fun. And yeah, I, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not buying Zidane for that now. What about Megan Rapinoe as the main character in Kill Bill? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a great um, fan of the of the um, Kill Phil, uh, Kill Bill films at all. I, I got I got out of them. So I want to say, if Neil says that, he could be right. And Megan should be in there somewhere for absolutely sure. Um, so that's fine. I, I'd be... Yeah, I'd, 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 yeah, God. I, I, might have, I might have Megan in as... Um, what do you call it? Mia. Yeah, Mia could be. Yeah, it could be Mia, yeah. Yeah. I think... Uh, I think what we should do is put our foot in the ball in this question and then record an entire episode 
surrounding this one query? Yeah, well, I've cheated a little bit. So I've looked up now. And um, so he's definitely cast. So I, I, th- I just don't want to... Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken is Don Vincenzo Cocotti. Oh, am I talking rubbish? Oh, man. No, it's Dennis Hopper I'm talking about. That's it is. So Christian Slater's dad is Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper is uh, Clifford Worley. And I think Dennis gets taken out in a pretty bad scene and probably by Christopher Walken. So yeah, I, I'm 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 sort of going Dennis Hopper and um and Diego Godin. That that's what I'm happy to go for. If any uh, listeners have got any suggestions, feel free to drop us a line. I think Zlatan should certainly fit in there somewhere, oh. but I can't think <laughs> where. Oh so many. I mean probably <laughs> Probably Michael Madsen. I don't know which mystery he was in uh, in Reservoir Dog. Torture you. What a good idea. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Yeah. So, Mr. So, Slatan is Mr. Blonde. There you go. Very good. Very good. Wow. That's yeah. that's yeah. been um, that's been a test. That's been a test. That's. Uh, Possibly the best question we've ever received. I think. <laughs> but I think we'll come back to it. Yeah, let's come back. All right, to let's it. come back. We'll, we'll certainly. Okay, I, I have to do the sign off because you always do the sign off. But in this, in this, uh, I, I'm I'm going to be um, I'm going to be the DJ in Reservoir Dogs. I'm going to be Stephen. Wright. I'm going to. This has been sounds of the seventies on uh, the big interview with Graham Hunter and Bet Three Six Five. Next monster truck rally. Okay, Trips, that's a wrap on this month's Q&A. Listen up for Tim Sherwood, big interview coming your way very, very soon. Adios, amigos. Stay out of trouble, you crazy kids. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.